We have to assume it's just a matter of time before they identify the rest of us. Which includes you, Theo. Why is he here? He's not fish. He's not one of us. I want him here. Key wants him, he stays. Now, we all agreed to deliver Key to our brothers and sisters in the human project. Right. But well, now we've got to reevaluate that position. No, there's no need. We move forward with the original plan. Yes! Hey, she'll never make it. The police are looking for her. We can find a way. It's what Julian wanted. We'll be risking the girl's life. Listen, listen. She belongs here. And this baby is the flag that could unite we us all. We never use this baby for political purposes. My baby's not a flag. Make it public! What? What? Excuse me. You should make it public. Well, you saw the telly. She's about to be very public. Doesn't matter. She's pregnant. Oh, right. And then the government will say, well, we, we, we were wrong. Fuji's are humans too. Yeah, well, whatever's going on, whatever your political ideas are, it's irrelevant. It doesn't matter. Oh, come on. She needs a doctor. You really don't Look, the government will take her baby and parade a posh black English lady as the mother. Nobody's taking my baby. We all know this government would never acknowledge the first human birth in 18 years from a Fuji. I wanted Fuji. Why don't we explain to Mr. Fan what they do to immigrants in this country? He knows. He's seen the cages. He's not that stupid. I'm not going to the government. You told me you would get into the human project. You promised me. I don't think it's safe to try and reach the coast now. You could stay here, Key. It's a safe place for you to have your child. Then when you and the baby are well enough, we will find a way to get you to the human project. I promise you. It could take months to get I back in touch you. with them again. This is true. We have to take it under consideration. Key, this is your decision. What do you think? I think you need proper care. Oh, brilliant! She has proper care. What the fuck does he know? Shit. Key. Key, this is your choice. one of the most minimally watched and listened to film podcasts in the world. But we have existed for over a year now. As of next week, it'll be our one-year anniversary. We're getting really excited as we come to the brink of Cinema 9, one year in the making. I'm thrilled to be joining you. I am Michael Govier. I'm one of the co-hosts of the show, along with Eric Branstrom and Travis Roy. Cinema 9 Pod at ProtonMail.com. Send us an email. Travis Roy, it is officially April. It's April Fool's Day. You want to fool us with something? No, I fucking hate April Fool's Day. 
I mean, oh. I, I, I'm fine with like the date of April 1st, but like just like the concept of April Fool's Day, I'm not a fan of. But I was yeah. happy yeah. to wake up to like snow on the ground in Detroit. That was cool. And I visited a massage parlor for the first time today. So that was exciting. You visited a massage parlor? <laughs> Um, not for any hanky panky reasons. I, I've thrown oh, out my come shoulder. On. I've thrown out my shoulder. I think that they may have been down, to be honest. But uh, that wasn't what I was there for. That's not what went. That's not what happened. I just, I just, I've thrown out my shoulder. I'm actually in a great deal of pain and pretty heavily medicated right now. Uh, but so I went to um, get that rubbed on, and uh, so you know, other than the pain, it's been an interesting but good day. You threw out your shoulder. Yeah, I have like an ongoing. My, my dad just got surgery for the same thing, so apparently it's like a genetic thing. But sometimes genetic my shoulder issues. Yeah, sometimes my shoulder gets thrown out, and it's uh, it's 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 great. It's just like very Mel stiff Gibson movements and in uh, lethal weapon. <laughs> I guess I don't know. Can you put it's, it back in and make money off of it? No, it's not like no, it's not like um, you know, I'm not. I don't mean like it's thrown out like <laughs> dislocated. I just mean like it. Like I, I've got like some sort of you know tendon issue or I don't know it just fucking screams with pain for a few days and then it stops and it's just well, like an ongoing thing and something you know it's, it's something that my dad dealt with something I deal with I don't know it's a Roy family tradition so yeah I'm glad that you're troopering up and joining us for the show congratulations thank you for toughing it out as they say in the United Thanks. States of America Thanks Eric Branstrom. April Fool's Day. Not everybody loves it. In fact, some would say that the internet basically ruined April Fool's Day. It was a lot more fun before the internet when people relied on information. What do you think of that? I'm wondering if, you know, before the show, you mentioned that uh, the Bill Murray film, What About Bob, is highly overrated. Was that an April Fool's Day joke or were you serious? Oh, no. That, that, I've seen it many times and I know people love Bill Murray. You're not supposed to say anything bad about Bill no, Murray. This, but, is, uh, this is the contrarian's new kick now. Bill Murray's overrated, blah, blah, blah. This is like the third or fourth time. This is like, you know, this is, I mean, okay, this is not, not contrarian. Always a contrarian. But I, I mean, like, like Bill Murray. But you've, you know, you've made this clear on the show before. You feel like he's, this is definitely not uh, an April 1st thing. CBD lotion, uh, our friend Chris rec recommends for my shoulder. Thank you, Chris. I might give it a shot. You're yeah. listening to Shoulder Talk with Mike and Travis. Oh, lotion. It's Lotion Pod. What's your favorite lotion? Call now, 734 no, Just kidding. Send us an email. But you know, what about Bob? It's part of these types of films that I don't really like to watch as much anymore, like Meet the Parents or like where everything goes wrong for somebody and it's just miserable for that character, but everyone else is laughing at the experience. So it's not a Bill Murray thing. It's just those types of movies. I don't, I don't like Meet the Parents that much anymore. It's not fun for me to watch somebody go through this agony. All these terrible things just keep <laughs> happening and everyone's laughing and they're ignoring it and loving it. Look, Very I'm going to be honest with you. I sat down and watched, um, I'm, I'm wearing the shirt right now, but I sat down and watched What About Bob last year and uh, I I, I may have mentioned this on the show, but I was a little underwhelmed as well. I was like, these mental health issues are not funny. This is not a joking matter. <laughs> <There you go. laughs> the whole time I'm just like, what the fuck? They're joking about suicide here. It's fucked. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe See, my okay, sense of humor has so gone to shit. I don't know. <laughs> no, no, you still got it. I think you still got it. But that that kind of goes to my point. At any rate, yeah. What about Bob? That's a great shirt regardless. In fact, uh, our friend Jamie Andrews also has that shirt. So you guys could twinsy it. You guys should twinsy it. Can get together and be unhassled and local. Yes, yes, you definitely could. That was the Cinnamon iPod, and today's main event's going to be another Clive Owen feature. It's unprecedented. Never in the history of this podcast have we done back-to-back. <laughs> -back never happened. Cli We've back -back never done back-to-back -back Clive Owen. Clive Owen. No yes. We've never no done double back-to-back -back any main actors, have we? I don't think. I would doubt it. Maybe Tom Cruise so. got thrown in there. I don't know. but yeah. Otherwise, he'd be the only guy I could think yeah. of. But Clive Owen. You guys, you guys Clive now? 
No. Could you do another Clive? I love Clive. I thought it's we we covered this last week. You know, it did shoot him up and things went south. And like Travis said, he reappeared for the Nick, which Travis liked. But that's did. pretty much that's pretty much it. So I don't I don't know what happened to Clive exactly. I hope he's out there doing well. And we're gonna hear talk about Children of Men, a 2006 film. Does it hold up or not? It's our second to last episode before our one year anniversary extravaganza next Thursday. We're gonna be doing a movie that we will reveal at the end of the show. It's yeah, we're doing a clip show, but then after <laughs> that, we're gonna do the movie that we have planned this out for a couple months already. So we're if you can guess it, you know, if you want to take a stab at it here in the live comments, you can try. But at the end of the show, we will reveal next week's film, and I'm very excited for it. Uh, but first, you know, we, the SAGs are coming up on Sunday. Those are the Screen Actors Guild Awards, for those of you that are unaware. And Travis, are you excited for the SAG Awards ceremony? Yeah, I am. You know, um, I'm going to figure out how to watch TBS. I'm not really <laughs> sure how to do that, but I'll figure it out by Sunday. I can and, help you out with uh, that. <laughs> Text and, me later. Uh, yes. Okay. <laughs> What is this TBS? Is it TNT? I'm supposed to look at dynamite. I don't know, but um, so yeah, I, I'm. But yeah, I've been trying to catch up and you know dutifully see the movies uh, as much as I can. The shows, you know, I'm not that interested in the shows, like you know, because I don't really, I haven't really been keeping up with them. I'm not watching them, so all the stuff for the television, I'm not as interested in. But but yeah, I'm stoked. Yay! Yay. I know you take. Yes, you take the SAGs pretty sure. seriously, Eric. So I assume you're going to be watching a little bit. Yeah, you know, I'm supporting uh, Chadwick Boseman for a lead. I'm supporting Frances McDormand, the female lead. Uh, Daniel Kaluuya for supporting. And uh, Yojong Yoon for Minari for supporting female. So a lot of good picks. I'm fine with all those if they, if they take the gold. Can you guys guess how old the SAG is? Or did you guys look it up? Do you know how old, long the SAG Awards have been around? I'm looking at it right now, so I, oh, okay. I can happily tell you if you'd like I to know. No, I see it, and I, I just would not have guessed this. I just noticed it's, it on well, the Well, so, the, you know, obviously the Screen Actors Guild has been around forever, but the, the oh, well, not forever, but for a very long time. Um, but the awards, yeah, not as long as you would think. It's true. 27 years. Surprising. So we're older than the SAG Awards, guys. How about that? Is that yeah. fun? Isn't it? Isn't it fun? <laughs> it was back to the last century, at least. I mean, that's something, I guess. You know, one thing they do that is... Oh, oh big laugh for that one. One thing they do that I, I really enjoy is the uh, ensemble. You don't you don't see that uh, a lot. And there's been some great ensemble wins over the years. And, you know, the Five Blood, great cast. That's up there this year. My Rainey's incredible cast. Uh, so what are you guys thinking here? Um, uh, go ahead. Go ahead. You know, uh, there's there's still like one or two major features. I've seen most of the big ones at this point. Stuff that's nominated for both the Oscars and for uh, SAGs. So I, I pretty much I only need to see The Father, uh, Promising Young Woman, and Minari. Uh, but I'm still pretty underwhelmed by uh, you know a lot of the selections of of last year. Um, so out of like what's what's like cast in the motion picture, we're looking at Defy Bloods, One Night in Miami, My My Rainey's Black Bottom. Minari or the trial of Chicago seven out of those movies, you know, that I've seen to me, the five bloods is a clear winner, but yeah, mm. yeah I could see know, the trial, I, trial of Chicago seven win as well. Go ahead, yeah. Mike. That's where I'm going with that. Travis. I think, I think it'll win just because it's got such a monstrous cast, even though the five bloods has an equally good cast. Yeah. It just seems like it's going to, it's got this a little bit of a 
social slash social commentary slash political commentary edge to it that might get a nod for the times we are in. That's You're it. That's the really five blows doesn't have a political comment that it's making. I think I think the Chicago Seven has a slightly more. I mean, it's about. Five Bloods is clearly it's about Vietnam buddies and what's going on with a lot of issues in that time. But this one's even more blatant just by a nose. It's really not even that much, but that'd be my yeah, only I mean, guess. This has definitely been the year of because you throw in Judas and the and the Black Messiah. It's definitely been a year of like looking to the lessons of like the civil rights era and, and being like, hey, look at look at all the lessons we didn't learn. <laughs> that we're, that we're trying to re let's make a movie about it. Maybe we'll learn it now if we award it properly. <laughs> oh, OK, well, that's uh. I can't argue with that. I cannot argue with that at all. But the sayings will be fun. I'll uh, I'll help you out with that TBS. You know, it's getting to a point now where every every channel is going to have its own streaming service. So we have to pay millions of dollars at a certain point here for yeah. every fucking channel streaming service. Peacock, Disney, Hulu, Netflix, HBO Max. I canceled uh, Paramount Plus. Worthless. I mean, <laughs> unless you Paw Patrol didn't sell you. <laughs> Just like. <laughs> All, all that's on there is like all the I mean, like the movies you've seen a million times. Like, great. When I want to watch Godfather, when I want to watch Back to the Future, I know what to download for a month, you know, or what to, you know, get a month membership to. But like, th th there's really no reason to have this goddamn thing. <laughs> yeah, it's so true. And even with some of the big franchises like Mission Impossible, they're not going straight to this service uh, like some of the HBO films are, are, are given us. Yeah, I agree with you there. Uh, I hope the SAGs are fun. I'll pop in on Sunday. You know, I have nothing else to do in. with my life. Yeah, I'll do a little, a little pop in. We'll stop and chat with the SAGs. It's going to be a good time. So don't miss the SAG Awards, folks. It's going to be a doozy. <laughs> Travis Yay. Roy. Let's switch awkward. gears, as they say. It was awkward. Let's get into quarantine viewing awkward. picks. Uh, Travis, is are you fully or half vaccinated? I am I am fully vaccinated. I'm a fully vaccinated human person. Yeah. Hence, hence the massage today. I would not have gotten gone spent a you know an hour in a room with a stranger otherwise. That um, makes sense. That makes yeah. sense. Yeah. Well, I'm happy for um, you. That's so wonderful, man. I cannot wait to be like you. I got I got to get active and get one of these damn vaccines. I feel like there's one <laughs> out there for me somewhere. Get on and, it, man. I mean, it's a 5-week process, you know, if you're lucky, you know, once you get oh, it started shit. anyways, you know. Okay. Yeah, cuz it's, it's it's 3 to 4 weeks after the first shot and then another 2 weeks after the second shot before you're fully done. Plus the, you know, the time spent waiting for the first uh, appointment. It's a process, man. It's not just jump in and get it done. Well, the point is there's still COVID-19 out there and we have quarantine viewing picks for those of you that don't have the vaccine <laughs> and are hunkering down we're here to serve you Travis Roy before our one-year anniversary show what do you got for us this week everything yeah. is in relation to the one-year anniversary show apparently. <laughs> yeah don't worry you know even vaccinated I'm still gonna be a fucking lump and live on my couch watching TV. <laughs> uh, I turned off bad trip at 40 minutes oh. in the new Eric oh, Andre shit. movie that people are reviewing well I like Eric Andre a lot and I was prepared to laugh I, I put it on late at night when I was buzzed up and like ready to laugh and this was fucking stupid I <laughs> and I just turned it off. I was uh, like, I was Shut amazed at myself. I was prepared to have a great time, but um, I watched wow. uh, at, 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 at recommendation of the uh, our former host uh, or co-host Chad Gibbons. He recommended The Wages of Fear from 1953. Yes. Oh, yeah. um, it was a good movie. You've seen it, Eric, uh -huh. right? Love it. I love it. <laughs> right. Like no one could argue this is a great movie. And it was, I mean, 
but still it's you know it's black and white four five six languages i think going on like it um i put it in around 9 a.m i finished it sometime around 9 p.m that day <laughs> watch right. it little chunks eric or uh, uh chad described it as like riveting i would say like the last hour of the two and a half hours is riveting there's a lot of setup going on before they actually before the it's about a convoy and before like the wheels even start turning yeah. it's like a full hour goes by so it takes, <laughs> it takes it takes some doing but uh it was definitely excellent and i could see why it it's still talked about, you know, 50 years later. Hmm. I, I I dropped the uh, 699 on Supernova, Ooh. and it was well oh, worth shit. it. Yeah, Supernova was awesome. I'm so su- I'm really surprised that Stanley Tucci wasn't nominated for anything here. Like, um, this is this is probably the performance of his career. Um, this Liz is Fair? this is. I'm sorry, Tucci. Liz Fair <laughs> is not in the film. I don't. I don't <laughs> no, Lilith Fair is a Lilith Fair involved or mentioned uh, at any point. Supernova, it's a fucking great song by Liz Fair. I'm just oh, I see. Like I'm not living in your brain, so I didn't know what the fuck where that came from. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but yeah, so Supernova. Colin Firth was also really good. But if you like Stanley Tucci, man, like this movie was. I mean, like it's a it's a little bit of a grind. It's sad. I I was I sent you guys a picture. I was crying 20 minutes into this movie. Oh, that's what oh, it was. That's I was it. wondering I was, what that, that was. That's what it was. I was crying to All Supernova right. 20 minutes in. But man, it was good. It was really good. Uh, I watched USS Indianapolis, Men of Courage, starring, <laughs> uh, starring Nick Damn Cage. It. You'll watch anything with Nicolas Cage. I Jesus will watch God. fucking anything with Nicolas Cage. Absolutely. I'm going to watch. My goal is to watch everything with Nicolas Cage. I mean, he's got, he's got 106 or 108 or something under his belt right now. I'm going to watch Man them all. Courage. And and you know what? This was pretty. This was pretty good. Uh, this was <laughs> this this was pretty good. Now it's got a terrible title. It's got a fucking terrible title, but like a lot of people in Jaws, that whole really intense scene when uh, when you know, they're talking about this, I remember like thinking, "Oh, this would make a great movie. Why don't they make a movie out of this?" You know, and then they do and it, and like the first, I don't know, like in a lot of ways, it's a hard watch because you're watching people fucking get picked off one by one, and it's and it's real, like it's a true story. You know, this is the, if you're not familiar, the story is that the ship went down and these men spent four days in the ocean, uh, dehydrating, starving. Um, dying of overexposure and then and being picked off by sharks, and uh, and then to top it all off, like there's like this whole other scandal that like took place, like that like there's a like, that ties it all up at the end. So it's a low budget movie, like it, it's a it's an it's a really important story with a really low budget, and they got the best actors they could afford, like Tom Sizemore doing probably the best stuff he's done in a long time, like Tom Jane, like you know like guys that are good actors, but like generally have been kind of doing a lot of shit lately and the special effects are just terrible i mean they're like like sci-fi channel in the 90s terrible like these special <laughs> effects are bad but but and, but and got and like there's some really terrible fucking actors in here i know i'm really selling this movie and there's some really terrible actors in here but by the end of the movie i'm i was really sold i'm like i'm glad that someone made this movie that this story was told um in particular that the character the person the the human person mcavoy that um or McVeigh rather that uh, Cage plays like this guy got fucked over. It's, it's like he's got an important story that should be told, and so I'd, I'd recommend that. Last but not least, you guys, I've got a movie that I'm really excited about, and I don't want to like I, I want I want other people to watch this movie so I can talk about it with them. You know, like when you watch a movie, and you're like, oh, I just I just want to talk about people. I just want to talk about it. Yeah, well, the reason it. I <laughs> the reason I watched it is because it's nominated for a best adapted screenplay, and I've heard very little else about it. I'm talking about the White Tiger on uh on netflix have either of you guys seen this movie or heard anything about it i started it and i i couldn't get into the mood so i paused it briefly i, I think i'll get around to it oh man uh yeah I, i'd recommend going going back in right. now i i i 
you, if, if you weren't, if it didn't grab you right off the bat, it might not grab you at all. Cause I, I found it like I was riveted. I was fucking, yeah. I, this is one of the most fascinating character studies I've seen in years. Wow. Uh, yeah. Just, big, talk, just, cool. big talk. Really no, cool really, opening. Just, it, it had like that. I'm sorry. But like, no, go ahead. Go ahead. You know how the, like, a movie will open and it'll be like freeze frame and be like, whoa, whoa, we can't start here. Let's go back. Like, <laughs> yeah. I, I couldn't do it right at that point, but I'll get around to it. Yeah. Th- there are weak moments in the movie. And honestly, the, the opening and ending are maybe kind of the weakest moments. But uh, so it's not, so it's not right. like without flaw. But um, the, the the lead actor and again, the character, like the character work is just is, in terms of development of a character. I mean, I, 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 I strongly recommend The White Tiger. And that's it. That's my that's my views for this week. Well, Christ, uh, Mario Van Peebles directed. Uh, uh, I'm gonna let this play out for a while. No, you can talk. Oh, this is Supernova by Liz Fair. Fantastic. Oh shit. Oh, okay. Again, we we. Okay. Go ahead, Eric. You can talk about this. The, the, anyway, uh, yeah, I used to dig Mario Van Peebles' films, New Jack City, Posse, yes! back in the early okay, '90s, yes. and like I was like, why is this guy directing anymore? He's a good director. I had no idea he directed Men of Courage. His yeah, father's a big deal too. Yeah, he was. And uh, and he did a good job. And that was another like that was another, like that's what I'm saying. Like they got like a lot of the best that they could get clearly for the budget. The best the budget, that you can flow. get is for living a god between a moon and someone hitting you. Yeah, someone's <laughs> been hitting me, guys. I gotta tell you, I haven't thought about Mario Van Peoples in a long, a long time. Guys. Long time. So that'll be. I'm gonna move that up the list because that was a strong recommendation, and I had I didn't yeah. even heard of it. I hadn't heard of that at all. So I again, like it's to... low budge, but it's worth yeah. seeing. Oh, I don't care. Like, anything, oh. yeah, check out White yeah. Tiger first. I watched yeah, okay. I watched garbage. I watched the uh, romper stomper. <laughs> I can watch anything. Low budget oh. garbo trash. So, uh, all right, Eric Brandstrom, Good. what can you offer us for this week? I know you're busy. You're a parent. You got a job. You're a husband. You're a very busy human being. I wasn't busy enough to uh, uh, pass up the opportunity to watch um, The Sorcerer's Apprentice starring Nicolas Cage. Nicolas Cage, yeah. Yeah, yeah. you know, uh, I got some family in town and they wanted to see it. So I'm like, well, Christ, I mean, we got Nicolas Cage. Uh, I, I dug it. It's enjoyable. I dug it. You got John Turtletaub, who's a totally competent. I, I think the film would have been shit if it wasn't for a competent director. Oh, John yeah. Turtletaub. Cool Runnings, uh, the National Treasure film. That's what he's doing. So it's just cool a fun runnings. Jerry Bruckheimer uh, action movie. I liked it. I'll entertain as well. Be very shell. Um, uh, aside from a quick rewatch of Misery and In the Line of Fire, I, I checked out Godzilla vs. Kong last night. So uh, yeah, HBO Max. I, I had zero interest. In fact, I'm going to let you know a little secret. I, the only Godzilla film I've ever seen is uh, the Roland Emmerich 1998 film. I've never ever seen any of the old Japanese Kong films. I don't know anything about this new like reboot Kong Skull Island or any of these two Godzilla. So okay. I had like, yeah, I didn't care. I was like, all right, whatever. Uh, I, 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 I couldn't really care less. It. Yeah, yeah it, it's a lot of fun, Mike. Huh. Dude, I'm gonna, I'm gonna. I actually was gonna. If it wasn't for my shoulder, I was gonna go see it in theaters today. Was my plan? Yeah, I, it's, uh, it's I'm, blowing I'm go. up. It's doing great box I'm, office. Uh, I've got HBO Max, and then, like I could sit here. I could watch it tonight if I want to. But I decided I'm gonna. It's it's gonna be my theater return. I was gonna do Minari. Wow. Like, what the fuck am I talking about? Why would I go see some some drama? No, I'm gonna go see some stupid. You know, I'm gonna watch monsters hate each other. That's gonna be great. <laughs> Yeah, you know, I recommend uh, it seen as soon, soon as possible. These films get accused of having these boring human characters, and you're just waiting around for the monsters to fight. 
Uh, it's kind of half the case and half not. You got like the little girl that plays Eleven and the kid that plays Belsnickel from those Christmas movies. <laughs> their their B story is like could easily go, but you got a lot of fun uh, dynamic with Alexander Sarsgaard, Rebecca Hall. I dug the film. I thought it was fun. I didn't think I was going to care at all. A bunch of cartoon monsters fighting each other. I I kind of really liked it. So, and that's it. I mean, it's been a weird week for me. Wow. Okay. Kong. Godzilla. I've never been into those movies at all, so Again, it's no disrespect yeah, to the yeah, current movies. I just, I never saw the original. I've seen clips of Godzilla, you know, uh, you know whatever. Something about Japan, something. I think. <laughs> is that true? Like he Japan just yeah. Yeah. Is Godzilla a man, or is it not a man? Uh, but is it a male? Godzilla's a they. Oh, okay. All right. I'm yeah, pretty sure. Just, pronouns, right? Dude. I feel like Kong sure was a male. Kong was a male. He had yeah, Kong's, ball Kong's very much a dude. I think Godzilla okay. is just like a creature, like, you know, kind of transcends gender. I don't, I don't know. Interesting. I, I, I don't know. <laughs> Am I wrong he's on from that? Ho- he's from the Hollow Earth, and I don't know what the pronoun situation <laughs> is down there. Has nobody ever asked these questions before? Uh, Has, I mean, like, he's a, he is a giant monster. Does he have a giant dong hitting buildings? <laughs> That's the question. I've I never up- seen that in the picture. So either Godzilla is female or, like, you know, out. Hung? I don't know where I'm going with this. Your turn. I Mike. grew up on Mall Rats, where he was obsessed with you know the things orange dork. That's how I think. So, anyways, wanted to let you guys know Periscope no longer exists. Today is the first. This is not oh, April no Fool's shit. joke. No April really? Fool's bullshit here. This is the first day post Periscope life. It shut down yesterday, so we're no longer directly on Twitter with our feed. So find our YouTube channel to watch these live streams or our Facebook page. But it's easier if you just sub our youtube channel cinema nine pod just type it in and you'll find it i've also posted a link on our twitter page so you can see where the show is there's just no more periscope i don't know what's well, you, going on now you so. said that i thought that doesn't affect my life at all why are you telling me this but it turns <laughs> out <laughs> Ever, uh, only slightly only slightly all right so yeah i just want to get that on the air and uh i watched we'll always have of- down periscope though yeah kelsey grammar <laughs> Lauren Holly uh, film. yeah and pat Na- pat oswalt's uh first yeah. film i believe yeah yeah oh really can't take it away from us <laughs> see i wouldn't know that because i've never seen that fucking film that's I never say I never seen it either. I just I just read his book. All right, so here's what I watched this week. I settled in, and I was so engrossed in. Oh, by the way, uh, we p- replaced our Periscope feed with the Twitch feed, so we are on Twitch now. That's the third rail here, in case you guys wanted to know that. So it's Facebook Live, YouTube, and Twitch. Those are our three streams. Just so you guys are aware, I watched the Snyder Cut, and man, Ooh. I was just so engrossed in this thing. And I I don't know if it's good or not because I was just so into it. It was like an experience for me. And I was really surprised at how intensely drawn to I mean, I just watched it nonstop, four hours straight. I just could not turn it off. Yeah, me too. And I really, really dug it. I, I walked away after it was all said and done, and I was like, man, that was that was pretty cool. I enjoyed that. And I don't know what that says about me. I don't know if it's good or not. I know people are there's been some people. I mean, the ratings IMDb is pretty high, but I think that's just because of the win. People feel like yeah. it's a victory for non-studio folks. Absolutely. It's a victory for our side, you know. That IMDb rating, I think, is going to work against it. Some people are going to see that and be like, "What the fuck?" Like that's you know what I mean. Like <laughs> it is not like it's like an eight point six or something, or, or you know, something oh, really high. high. Like, it's just higher like, than The Godfather. Yeah, wow, back that up. And, a bit. It is really good. <laughs> yeah, I dug it. I I also thought of this last night. I. On any day of the week, I'm not trying to be contrarian. This is just how I really feel. 
I really dig Jeremy Irons over Michael Caine any day as Alfred. I fucking love Jeremy Irons as Alfred. I'm a big Jeremy Irons Alfred guy, and I'm just... I, I just got to be there. I'm going to stand tall on that. I just love his... He always owns everything he's in. I just... I'm a big fan of his. I really am. <laughs> when I'm sitting here... Nine and Sinka. I'm not trying to think of who I who I prefer as an actor now. You know, I mean, like I love oh. Michael Caine, but like I do too. Jeremy, yeah, Jeremy Irons is a, is like everybody knows and loves Michael Caine as they should, but like Jeremy Irons, is just, I mean, like people respect him, but not everyone even like he doesn't have that same name recognition even after the same decades, of, you know, same body of work, and and the dude is just, I mean, he's one, of, he's incredible. I mean, he's just so formidable. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think you're right. I think people clearly Michael Caine is the more reputable actor, but he's yeah. about I think he's like 10 or so years older than er Jeremy, too. I don't know. Jer he's not as old as you might think. Jeremy Irons is 72, so he's not dead yet, but still, he's oh, had good. a full life of acting. And well, we can, we can let him we can put him out the pasture then. I mean, he, he can play. <laughs> he can play Alfred. Can we execute can, him. Yeah, <laughs> he can play Alfred and be like green. kind of in. Oh, boy, he can be there and be Alfred and he can also be Simon Gruber with the blonde hair, and he pulls it off. So I got a lot of respect for him, and I thought he was a great Alfred. And that'll be the sad part for me is I actually like Ben Affleck as Bruce yeah. Wayne. I like how, I, and yeah. now it's all gone. So it kind of feels like I wish we never did this now because it just kind of reinvigorated me to be like, oh, I want to go in the direction of I love Ezra Miller as the Flash. I love Ezra Miller. I gotta say, Flash. yeah. Uh, after 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 this after seeing him fleshed out a lot more because in the other version I was like, well, who fucking cares? I really liked him as the Flash. I really liked him, and I really liked. What's the other dude's name? Ray, Ray Fisher. Ray Fisher. I always want to say Ray Parker. Ray Fisher. Ray uh, Parker. The dude the, uh, that played martial art master. No, no, uh, Ray Parker Jr. Right? Who did uh, <laughs> Ghostbusters? Ghostbusters thing? Yeah, Ghostbusters. Oh yeah. That's what, I don't know why. I guess because Art or anyways. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, both those guys. I thought they really killed it in those roles, and like you know, two two characters from Marvel. Well, that. Or I'm sorry, from DC that like haven't been really getting fair shakes in cinema. So it was it was nice to see that. Completely agree. I love the cyborg. I love Flash. Uh, Wonder Woman. It was nice to see Wonder Woman back in this role after '84, though. It kind of sours her experience oh, yeah. for me a little bit, which is a bummer that '84 did that. Otherwise, uh, that's it. It's. I think you should watch it. If you saw the Justice League, which I did see in theaters. I saw it at a dollar theater in Maryland. It was a lovely Tuesday evening, wow. and it was pretty we'll lame. I remember. It was pretty lame. So give this one a shot. You can break it up too. Watch it in chunks. It doesn't have to be four <laughs> consecutive hours of nonstop Snyder cut. Trust me. Did you and think that uh, that villain uh, Steppenwolf kind of looked like those like Mucinex creatures in that commercial for that medicine? <laughs> yeah, I, I never. I actually never those considered snot that. But creatures. I, I do see the texture of their faces being similar. Now yeah. you're right. Yeah, Mucinex. I didn't think of it. No, that was a. Uh, Sierra and Hines, though. That's cool. I like Sierra. It was. Hines. I love the so. voice of the Steppenwolf. I actually did like that villain. He was cool. He just looked like Musinex. Yeah. And like, there's there's, there's more going on. Other, there's a, uh, we I actually just, okay, see Darkseid. I mean, that was yes! cool. this hierarchy yeah. of the villains I thought was cool. People people are and like, I, okay, yeah. well, who's the bad guy? But I like that hierarchy. It's like he, I answered him, and then he, but without a second part, it's like, yeah, but with yeah, this, exactly. this only entity, like, where you go from there? Who cares about this hierarchy? If like, we're not I agree. Like, get into the mean potatoes. Yes. See that mashed that's why potatoes I like and gravy. Wait, sorry, Murray. I couldn't <laughs> no, be happier with God. baby steps. Mm. Mm. Would you stop mm, that, mm, 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 mm. Leo? Did you want the breast? <laughs> <laughs> okay, it, it's a funny movie. It is funny. I'm not. I don't hate it. But, you know, <laughs> <laughs> Change my mind in five seconds. I will say that. Yeah, I, that 
that pulling that part out of the movie really gives it some more definition to me. And that's why I actually see a world now where maybe we're like, why do we limit movies to two hours? Why don't we just start doing, because they always complain, movie people will complain that TV shows have the advantage because they can flesh out a lot more over a whole arc because they have more time to deal with. But if we're going to be stuck at home and never go to the movie theater again, there's no need for two hour movies anymore because we could break it up in chunks. I, I Dude, just, I actually think there's some legitimacy to that point. I really, I, I think that you're the man that invented the miniseries. Um, <laughs> <laughs> watch, uh, watch. I know this much is true. It, it was excellent, and it's a six-hour oh, movie. Yeah. Basically, it's just a fucking six-hour movie. Is really all it is. Yeah, I gotta watch that. It was so good. I know you recommended it, and I, I, I have, there's no reason for me not to watch it. I, gotta I would like move that. Yeah, up and I he is nominated for on Sunday for uh, for best actor in a limited drama. Mark Ruffalo. Too. Yeah, so hopefully I'd like to see him win that for that. Awesome. I thought it was incredible. Yeah, that is incredible. And by the way, I love the parademons. I don't care. I know they're lame, but I, I like the parademons. They look cool. That's it. That's all the, I want to say about that. The parrot demons. Parademons. The parrot demons. Is it? You parrot? are saying parademons. Parademons. I'm saying parrot. I'm not saying parrot. Okay, I was here. Sea urchin, the street urchins. Oh, <laughs> all the movies. <laughs> <laughs> oh, doctor. <laughs> all right, so I went. Uh, Yafet Kodo died, like we laughed about last week, which <laughs> was did. kind of uncool. Maybe we should not have. <laughs> we I should laugh not have... about his death. No, no, no. I cued the laugh track. It's my fault. I take responsibility. Shoot. Uh, but I watched. Uh, I went back to the Running Man. I'm like, oh, let's go check in on the Running Man. Oh. And uh, I love this film. I'm a huge fan of this film. But I oh, didn't. Yeah. I don't know. It was it didn't have that same. I hadn't watched it in a long time, and I'm like, eh, this isn't as great as I remember. But it is prescient. I will give it tremendous <laughs> credit. Even, they even have a post-show, which is a real thing. Reality TV, and now we have, like, The, the Walking Dead. Like, the what's that show afterwards where they talk they, about? Walking Dead. They, they canceled yeah. The Talking Dead, like, I'm pretty oh, okay. sure. I hope they did. I mean, God. Well, they do it for other shows, too, like The Housewives and shit like that. So wh whatever. It's it's a thing. Shows that's about in the, the show. Running Man. Right. Yeah. That, they were doing that in 87. It's pretty cool. I'll give them credit well, for that. But Doesn't football do that, too? Yes. <laughs> football has always done that. That is a good point. point. Yes. <laughs> and he it makes no sense. Uh, Richard Dawson literally says, all right, this is our halftime show. I'm like, halftime? This is not football. It's very strange. Well, sport. But. You're right. There's maybe there's more uh, football references than I realized. And then I watched Midnight Run, which I hadn't seen since I was a kid. Okay. And again, it's actually a bizarre film. It's really bizarre. Yeah, <laughs> it's like a heart to it, but it's supposed to be a comedy. But it's rated R with like a bunch of action and chase scenes galore. It's like they're trying to follow the Blues Brothers in like this action-packed chase scenes all over the place. But then they're trying to make a real serious film about a guy. What is he doing with his life? It's very. Very interesting. I will say that, but I think it's kind of a mess as a film. <laughs> I love Charles Grodin, and I know you watched Clifford recently, so Eric, <laughs> you could appreciate Charles Grodin. Absolutely, man. From Beethoven yeah. all the way, I, I'll go way back. Remember he, had, remember he had his own talk show? You guys remember I, that? I dug it. I liked his talk show. <laughs> you saw it? Yeah, I did. He was like dry, oh, but yeah. like he was entertaining. I, I liked it. Oh, Yeah, shit. I vaguely recall that. It was like on CNN or something, right? It was like yeah. a yeah, it's like a Larry King show. Wow, I never, yeah. I didn't catch it very often. I apologize. I did not mean any disrespect. Uh, I went back Charles, to check you out. Hear that? He means no disrespect. He apologizes. We're gonna cue a loud track if you die next week. <laughs> Is he alive, Charles Grodin? Dead or alive? True or false? He's alive. Yeah, he's alive. Wow, he guest stars on Curb, uh, doesn't he? Isn't he uh, Larry's? No, he guest stars oh, on. What do I see him on? Yeah. Oh shit! What was it? He was. Yeah. What? 
Gaston. Was it the Kaminsky method? No. Oh, yeah. Man. You always bring up that show. That makes sense. It's old white guys. Some, no, uh, there's something he's been popping up. Someone's in doctor recently. or therapist or something. <laughs> are, you, are we all looking at once? I yeah, we, 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 we look uh, at IMDb show. Louis, it was on Louis. <laughs> Louis, <laughs> that's it. Yeah, Louis. Oh, is that what we're thinking of? Jesus, that's, that, I'm that's thinking not, of Louis. Yeah, he's Louis. That's not recent, and yeah, oh, it was uh, five years ago, six years ago. We're not talking about Louis. Here. He played Doctor Bigelow on. We're Louis. allowed yeah. to talk about. It. I don't give a flying <laughs> fuck. I'm just saying. I think it was. It was you know six years ago. Yeah, <laughs> and he is in his 80s. Congratulations, Mr. Groden. Yeah. Wonderful, wonderful. Yeah, he's he's earned his retirement. He doesn't have to work. You know. Sit I'm by waiting. the beach or whatever. Hackman or Groden? I don't know who's going to go first. It's Hack- a tight race. Oh, sure. Okay. Every day we wake up and ask ourselves, <laughs> who, which one of these fuckers is dead first? Uh, <laughs> oh, we got a guy watching on Twitch. Oh, wow, this oh, is so shit. cool. This is our first Twitch comment ever. Okay. Ghost Hand Whoa. 246. Hello, Ghost Hand 246. And you talking about Clifford? It feels like a slight satire with the absurdist humor that kind of clashes with the more serious elements of the film. I think he's talking Midnight Run. Oh, yeah. 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 He's talking he's Clifford. Clifford. <laughs> or maybe, yeah, I, that could describe both movies, actually. You're right. So I mean, There is uh, some, some deep political commentary in Clifford, as I recall. Oh, yeah. <laughs> a dinosaur world? So sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I went back and watched the Chicago 7 because I only seen it once. And I so want to make sure boring. I felt, after you were so impressed by it, oh, I'm like, oh, I'll go back and watch it again. And I you really, confirmed it? I liked it even more the second time. I like so it. Good. Much more. I think it has a lot of repeat watchability, which yeah, is a absolutely. good news for that film. Yeah. Something you can throw on over and over again. And, you know, just really enjoy all the pain and sorrow everyone's going through. You know, it's, yeah, it's, a, oh, it's an intense film. But you're right. The script is great. And Mark Rylance is it's so good. Mark, Mark Rylance is so good. He but is. Eddie Redman, did he win you over? Do you think he's dry or does he earn his keep? I thought he, I don't think. I remember where I heard that. It was on the Bill Simmons podcast. He said he was miscast, and I disagree. I don't think. I think that's a strong comment. I don't think he was miscast, but it wasn't terrible either. So I don't really know where that. Oh, what we got here, Swing Juice. I've never heard of Swing Juice. Swing You're kids, muted, so we don't know. What's it called? Swing Kids. Oh, swing Juice. Swing Kids. The beer. Swing. Swing Kids. The beer. Christian Sorry, Bale I, I, presents I didn't mean to Swing slot. Kids. Was, the beer. That was more for those viewing, not listening. I, I didn't mean to interrupt. Gotcha. Oh, I'm always excited to learn about beer. People love beer. They're very passionate about it. You know, so, it so Sorkin's no, next, Mike. Uh, <laughs> you getting ready for being the Ricardos? Aaron Sorkin is returning to write and direct the story of Desi and Lucy Arnett. Really? Yeah. Oh. yeah. Who's playing Lucy? Nicole Kidman, somehow. Well, well, what is this supposed to be? Is this like uh it's like a it's time like a, or later? Yeah, well, it's like a, it's like a day on the it's like on the set from like the table read and into the filming oh. and then like some of the behind the scenes shit that was going on between Lucy and Desi. So I mean it's Aaron Sorkin, come on. I mean you hear about him as Desi Arnaz? There are not many more capable actors than Nicole Kidman, so I'm sure she'll kill it. She's not who I would have thought of, but I'm sure yeah, she, I'm sure she'll be great. Who's playing Arnaz? Do you know? Javier I'm looking. Man. Javier Bardem, yeah. Oh, okay. That makes, that makes funny sense. Like, yeah. yeah, that's good. I'd like to see him in something a little more, you know, I don't know, where he's not like eating babies or whatever. Oh. <laughs> and yeah. J.K. Simmons and Aaliyah Shawkat, they okay. play the, the what are they, Fred and Myrtle, the other couple on that t- show? You know, I can't oh, remember okay. their character Sounds names. Sounds promising. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think you're Fred Nethel, right? Yeah. Thank you. Whatever. I haven't seen. I have not seen. I love Lucy in a very long yeah, time. Yeah, we're just pulling from our like the baby boomer lizard brain right now. 
<laughs> but I, I, you're right. Way I love back. Sorkin, though. I can't think of a Sorkin movie I don't enjoy. I just oh. love the way he writes, and I know sometimes it's not for everybody, but yeah. I just can't get enough of it. I'm, I'm down with it. I've always had been. His TV shows. I mean, uh, what was it? Was it Newsroom? The, Fucking the Newsroom. Yeah. Yeah. Newsroom was great. So I've never seen the West, West Wing. Wing. I don't I've love the West Wing, it. but I, I watched many seasons. I, I stopped when um, Netflix. They they're missing the DVD, the physical DVD. They didn't have like disc three of like season five or whatever. <laughs> what? And after that, it was all over. I never went back. But uh, yeah, I got at least to there. My God, the story well, of that's my life. Yeah, that, I'm sorry to hear that. Though. The history yeah, of my skin, my Charles Sims. <laughs> the history of my skin. That's a great kill drama song. We should fire that up. I can fire that up right now. No, my I'm neighbor let me borrow his clinic. <laughs> All right, uh, yeah. So uh, I watched Johnny Dangerously. It's an '84 film, 1984. I'm standing here with my dong in my hand. Like <laughs> 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 Philip Bosco. Just <laughs> that's great, Peter Boyle. Uh, yes, oh, Peter that's Boyle. A Peter Boyle. Sorry, Peter yeah. Boyle. I always get them two mixed up. Sorry. Yeah, that's okay. That's. Thank you I didn't know this film was directed by Amy Heckerling. That was a new experience for me. Okay. I had seen it before, but I hadn't watched it in a long time. And it was, uh, I didn't know that. So that's cool. I love Amy Heckerling. She does good yeah, work. Yeah, she's really she's good. Great at comedy. Great at comedy. I can't Funny think of a comedy she's done that's not that great. And yes, it's it's slapstick humor and it's at its finest. And it's a period. So it's a period piece set from a period of time that is 30 years old now. It's really weird. It's filmed from 84, but it's about the early 1900s. <laughs> it's, it's very odd, but I laughed a lot. And I want to give Michael Keaton a lot of credit for that because he was funny, funny dude. Funny All movie. right. Yeah, it's a great film. Uh, and then I watched The Social Network because I was on the Sorkin kick. And oh, I wonder, did I text you guys this or did I just dream it? Like, how pissed would you be if you were one of the people in this film that were mis... They were basically misrepresented. I know the film's based on a true story. Facebook, it was created. It's a real thing. Mark Zuckerberg, real character, real human being. Sean Parker, played by Justin Timberlake. Real guy, created Napster. But everything about Sean Parker's character is like wildly over the top and inaccurate. And I just wonder... Where do you draw the line with these biopics or like these historical retellings where they have real things where so people will believe what's happening, even if some of the other stuff that's made up is bullshit? I have a real problem with that. It bothers me. And I know there's poetic license and shit, but. Dude, I'm with you. I mean, this is I mean, this is part of the problem I had with that Billie Holiday movie. Like people are all going to have this impression that she did these things that. People speculate that she may have done or may not have done. There's speculation about it, but there's no hard proof. You can't then, present it as fact just because it's entertainment. But see, I've made this argument before about JFK and you guys, the movie JFK from Oliver Stone. You guys both are like, oh, but like, I'm uh, sorry. <laughs> well, it's wildly inaccurate. It is wildly inaccurate. It's I agree. so entertaining. Yeah, so if you like it, it's cool. But if you don't like it, it's not cool. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. Just checking. Just checking if that's the metric we're using here. Well, let's ask Ghost Hand. Ghost Hand 246 says, the oh. tricky thing about presenting alive people right. in a movie, that's why people tend to not delve too much into and prefer soapties, sopties of the ones that are dead. I can't see it. S-O-P-T-I-E-S. Ghost Hand. I don't know that word. Is that a word? Ghost Hand. Uh, I'm going to take your word for it. Could be a typo. They, I don't know. They prefer movies of the ones that so, are dead. Probably Maybe stories. Movies, so. Probably stories. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, stories. Yep, stories. You nailed it. Ding, 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 ding. You're smart. You're a wise man. Back and to the left. Thank you, Steve. <laughs> yes, thank you, Steve. We appreciate that. All right, yeah, so that's some of the stuff I watched. Uh, thank you so much. Those are our quarantine viewing picks. We had a really good time sharing that with you. Don't forget, cinema9pod, protonmail.com. You can send us an email or DM us on Twitter or Facebook 
or Instagram, where we have wonderful, wonderful daily posts about movie anniversaries, uh, film <laughs> reviews. You never know what these guys are going to post. They're always, you guys always got your hands at something. You guys are uh, a tricky bunch. I'll say that. But that's enough of the nonsense. It's now time for the main event. Oh, boy. Our signature segment, Does It Hold Up? It's April Fool's Day, and we're going to find out does... Children of Men, a 2006 film starring Clive Owen, Julianne Moore, and so many more. Does it hold up? I'm bleeding. Jesus, shit, I'm bleeding. No, 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 I'm bleeding everywhere. It's me. What? You got me. Bad. No. I'm fine. Keep her close, Key. Whatever happens, whatever they say, you keep her close. It's going to be okay. That's the question. Although this is a, uh, what do you say, uh, listener's choice? You know, some one of the fun things oh, yeah. about listener's choice and uh, all that kind of stuff is that we end up looking at movies often that we probably wouldn't have otherwise looked at because we're like, We've looked at like things like RoboCop and Back to the Future and North by Northwest, things that we were pretty sure were going to hold up, you know, classics. Um, and <laughs> I, I would put that in this category. Like, I, I would not have picked this movie for the show because I never really would have had a question if it hold if, whether or not it holds up. That said, I, I'm excited to talk about it because there's plenty to unpack here, and uh, and it's going to be fun. I think. Well, it's Children of Men. It's a 2006 movie. So we go back to 2006 and we remember the good old days. We were in our mid-20s. We were having a great time. Uh, Travis had just got me a monkey portrait for my birthday. It was really nice. That was a good year. I thank you for that birthday gift. I still have it on my wall to this day in my bedroom. So every night I can fall asleep looking at a monkey with a pair of headphones on. And that's all we are in the end. We're just monkeys with headphones on. Like uh, Eric or you or me. In fact, all three of us are wearing headphones. Wow, that's so cool. We are primates. (laughs) Travis, 2006. Did you see this in the theater? I think you saw this in the theater. I think you did. I believe I did. I'm pretty sure I did. I I, I don't know. It's a my life's a blur. <laughs> I saw it when it was new. I know. I, I saw it was new. I enjoyed it. Uh, I was you know I was part of the people that were that saw the movie. Went, this movie's amazing, and uh, you know watched it several times since. Hadn't been that long since I've seen it. I mean, maybe oh. three, or four, three or four years. I mean, you know, a few years. Oh, like, that's years. Well, I mean, I don't know how. I mean, like, there's, there's so many fucking movies. I can only rewatch stuff so many times. You know, I was looking at my list of, of movies that, you know, I've been keeping track. I have not rewatched a movie other than stuff for the podcast. I have not watched a movie that I've never seen before in like eight, nine months. Something crazy like that's Whoa, that I've never wow. done before. That doesn't sound like you. I'm I know. impressed, I must say. I know. I'm only just watching, I mean, just stuff that, you know, just new, new, new all the time at this point. So beautiful. Okay. Well, Eric Prancer, what about you? 2006. Um, I bet you saw this on DVD. Mike, I remember walking out of the theater uh, in 2006. Oh. It was late December. It came out on Christmas Day. I went on Christmas Day and. I mean, there's a point in the movie where this our lead character is walking around. He just walks out of a building and he, he can't really believe what's going on around him. There's so many explosions and he's just in disbelief. That was me when I walked out of Brighton Cinema at, at how <laughs> little people were talking about 
the cinematic masterpiece that was going on in the theater inside. Like I, I, I could not believe more people were talking about it. And for months and months, that's all I was saying was like, have you seen this? Why is there not more recognition? A lot of it was because the film wasn't heavily promoted, but I was blown away in 2006, man. I'll never forget that experience. Damn, that is quite, quite impressive. I saw this at the Good Rich Theater, the old Good Rich. These were the Good Rich days when I saw Stranger Than Fiction and um, Pan's Labyrinth. Yeah, I saw a lot of those over there. And this was another example of that. I I don't know what it was, but I was excited to see it. I think there was some buzz. Uh, People were like, hey, we got to see this movie. It seems like it's a pretty big deal. It seems serious. (laughs) And so I was, I remember being really blown away and there was a lot of post- excitement and like man what did we just watch and it, it hit people in a way that like you said travis like sometimes you get out of a movie and you just want to start talking about it. this this was one of those movies i think it had a lot of points where you wanted to review it and discuss it with your friends because it's very thought-provoking very much not that every, and not every movie is it really isn't joe dirt it's not thought-provoking it's fun it's dumb silly it's not thought-provoking so this this is thought-provoking but i have not looked up the uh, rating so i'm going to take a stab at it on imdb <laughs> yeah well you know, Bill O'Reilly says, and uh, Children of Men. I'm going to say this is a very well-respected film, and it's not in the eights, but it's in the sevens. I'm going to say it's a 7.6. Yeah, I'm going to say 7.2. Uh, mm. It's higher? Have you looked it up? It's higher. It's unbelievable. It's right where it belongs. What is oh, it? Oh, tell us. Yeah. 7.9. Uh, oh, wow. Okay. I thought, that- I thought you were going to say in the eights if it was where it belonged. <laughs> this is, high, this is high elite status. Where it belongs. Yeah, that's pretty high. Seven point nine is uh, pretty high. Uh, Ghost Hand is really a fan of this movie. It's kind of weird. It's a movie that deals with underpopulation. Today, we do have the same issue with mostly educated and middle slash upper class population. At the same time, overpopulation yeah. from poorer spheres, the need for labor and poverty lead to immigration. Interesting stuff. Thank you, Ghost. Okay. Very uh, those are, that's like I see, it's thought provoking. That's what I'm talking okay. about. Yeah, lots to unpack. Uh, as far as Rotten Tomatoes, you know, Rotten Tomatoes is a place where people make opinions about films, and sometimes they don't go our way. You can go your own way though, if you want. Which was a f- musical tune. But we Mike. Okay. Yes, thank yeah, you. Ninety-two yeah. percent. Uh, <laughs> 92% from it's the It's just critics. like a hamster in a wheel, and every now and then it gets distracted. It goes, what was it? Fleetwood Mac? Uh, run, 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 run. What is this, Liz Fair? Uh, run, 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 run. <laughs> I'm sorry. I can't help myself. Uh, 92% from the uh, critics. 85 audience digs it. So not that's one of the uh, more closer scores we've had, because recently there's been some gaps in some of the movies that we have done. Like Closer, yeah. there was a gap. Yeah, this one seems like... Uh, you know, it's never been. I, I I can't think of a time I've heard someone go, meh, meh, children of men. I don't know. Like it's pretty universally beloved, you know, um, or at least respected. If 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 you know, if people are familiar with it. If you're not familiar with it, you probably don't can't respect it then. But otherwise, you probably would. I have to imagine it's on just about every relevant critics top ten of the two thousands. Whoa, damn. Okay, well we'll get more into that. Uh, Roger Ebert in two thousand seven said. Quoron, uh, Alfonso, right? That's his first name, Alfonso Quoron. Yeah, yeah. Fulfills the promise of futuristic fiction. Characters do not wear strange costumes or visit the moon, <laughs> and the cities are not plastic hallucinations, but look just like today, except tired and shabby. Four out of four stars. Yeah, this hyper realism that he's kind of getting at here, 
um, is I think one of the main legacies of the movie that people would would take from this. I mean, like, remember Terminator Salvation? Like, I remember like, uh, dude I mean, well, yeah, it's crap, but I remember dude saying at the time, whatever, what's his name, Mick. McG. 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 I remember him saying at the time that like like he was deliberately emulating this look. Um, oh, which by the way, uh, what's the cinematographer's name? Cinematographer Emmanuel Luzbecki, I want to say. Like uh, this guy, this, this guy apparently, like I I I never knew the name until like looking it up last night. But like this guy, he's done like all of Quran's movies, and he's he did like both. Uh, he's done like the Inaratu stuff, like the the you know Revenant and uh, Birdman. He's done a he's done a ton of stuff. I'm like, holy shit! This guy's like done some of the biggest, most yeah. most beautiful Gorgeous. movies that I've ever seen, and I didn't even know his fucking name. So let's Emmanuel I, Lubezki. Lubezki, yeah, yeah. yeah let's, let's kick things off with uh, high praise. With you know, if we're, if we're gonna bring up Quran early, I'd like to bring up Lubezki and make that more of a household name because God damn. Yeah. Uh, Night Unreal. of Cups, Birdman, Gravity, yeah. Burn After Reading. Night of Cups Children. is terrible, Revenant. but it's beautiful. Revenant. The New World, which is also well, it's a beautifully yeah, shot beautiful film. film. Yeah, so yeah. he's working with Malik and Inaritu and and Quran. Like he's working with some of the best oh, directors. Oh, Mama Tambien. Yeah, yeah. And, and his next movie is with uh, David O. Russell. Oh, hey, shit. all right. Hopefully wow. that's good. I feel like Russell needs something good here. He's on a cold streak. Um, well, actually, he's just been missing. That's fair. Anywho, yeah. So the critics. Uh, they generally loved it. Roger Moore said, a superior sci-fi thriller and the best doomsday drama since 28 Days Later. How about that, huh? Remember 007, that James Bond, yeah. Roger Moore. <laughs> <laughs> Surely there couldn't be any other people named Roger Moore. No, 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 no. Uh, not at all. The Philadelphia Inquirer's Stephen Ray says, not that Stephen Ray either. Get <laughs> on, guys. <laughs> This is this is Stephen with a V. Stephen uh, with a V. <laughs> you guys, that was great. Just waiting was, for it. We're always, we're always just waiting for the opportunity. I know you guys nailed it. It was amazing. The synchronicity is unreal. Uh, a dark, terrifying, and sometimes very funny film. How about that? Oh shit! I don't. Do, do you guys remember uh, any uh, guffaws here? Belly laughs. <laughs> there are four moments of levity, two of which are fine. The other two are the fart jokes. Yes, that blew my <sighs> mind. I blew, when the, early on in the film, Michael Caine's ripping farts. He's got his bozo hair, and Clive Owen's like, "Oh God, you're farting in the car." I'm like, "Is this happening?" It was mind blowing. Yeah, it's I mean, a, it's an odd character. We're gonna talk about yeah. Jasper character. He's obviously this hippie leftist, but he's kind of <laughs> like a clown. Is that a comment on like the apathetic nature of the left in 2027 in this world? No, he's, no, he's definitely. Like, let's 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 let's, let's, let, let's not get it. But like, I have a lot to respond to that. So okay. I'm going to because he's a, he's a retired political cartoonist, and yeah. his wife is an investigative journalist who was uh, tortured into uh, post traumatic catatonia. So I would say that they both probably did their time being really active, and but he's also just got a shitty sense of humor. <laughs> I like the stork joke. Yeah, that was okay. Yeah. I'm trying to find Destin Thompson here, but apparently I cannot. I'm so sorry, guys. Oh, God damn it. I'm I quitting. I know. I was really hoping he would. Uh, I wanted to give a negative review, though, because we haven't seen one of those. Here's one. Good luck. There is, well, there is much about the film that is impressive, but ultimately, we do not care enough about the characters. So our journey is a frustrating one. So I'm going to have to disagree. 
Um, respectfully, I, I feel like that Key is a little underdeveloped for the importance of her character. I feel like a little bit more time could be spent with her. Uh, but I, I think Theo is extreme. Like, there's a very visible and, uh, but at, at the same time, masterfully displayed arc that's taking place within this character on screen. And I think it's just like, I, I very much come to care about his character a great deal. And to have a character that layered where it's not just exposition and dialogue telling you about exactly. the character, it's just everything he does and everything that the master himself, Quran, does to show you. The first 30 seconds of the movie, you know everything not only about the plot, but about your main character. How the hell do you accomplish that? Dude, like, okay, so you just hit the nail on the head in terms of like um, like you showing instead of telling, right? Like he he survives that blast in the beginning. He doesn't give a fuck about the death of baby Diego. He really just wants to get that booze in his coffee <laughs> yeah. and, and, and and get that and get that, you know, the, the shakes to stop. And because he's because he's like indifferent, like he's completely indifferent to all this shit. By the end of the movie, that alcohol that he's carried around he it's the only thing he's got to wash his hands and he dumps it all over his hands without a thought and like there's so much in those two actions um that you know again like it's not spelled out for you but like that that's a whole fucking arc right there it's brilliant yeah that's some of his some of the characters typical but this it's there's typical things about being an alcoholic there's typical things about living in the kind of world he lives in so i'm not gonna i'm not gonna shit on that and in terms of caring about the character, I think you you probably do a pretty good job of analyzing that, Travis. I I don't care about him in the beginning because there's nothing to like. But you, since it's such a long journey and it's so detailed and nuanced over the entire experience of the film, you do. It's not something where you just buy in. You have to earn it. Sometimes yeah. some movies that you easily buy in, you just like. There's likability. Mm -hmm. In this film, you're right. It's very much a slow go a slow burn and in the end though i'm very much with him all the way i, I think yeah. you're right you gotta watch and you also gotta listen because i missed it the first time but it's in about 30 seconds you get this exchange between jasper and theo where theo talks about hey regardless of the fact that the world is infertile we, we were fucked before that even happened so yeah. you can tell how much of a cynic he is and his despondent nature I don't know how cynical that is. I, mean, I think that's pretty accurate. Like I'm, I'm watching this movie, I'm seeing, I'm seeing only a slight over amplification of the problems that exist as they, as they already are in our world, uh, and then throw in this whole infertility thing, which is again also a real problem that's happening in the world. Global, you know, global yeah. pop, the population rate, like the, the birth rate is is plummeting. Um, yeah. Population and, ordinance. And, no, no, I, I don't mean like I don't mean like he's talking that. about the real world. I no, think. the the in the real world, the actual mm -hmm. fertility rate is tumbling. Like people are having less and less and less children. Um, but so like all this stuff is is all very much happening. So you know, it doesn't seem grotesque or out of you know out of out of any bounds to me. Yeah, it's funny that I haven't seen this movie in forever. I don't remember it the way I saw it at all. I, it's, to me, it was like watching the movie all over again because I have not seen it in a long-ass time. It's not something, you know, you said you watched it a few times over the years, been a little bit, but I hadn't seen this movie in forever. So for me, it was, I knew there's something. The only thing in my mind was like, okay, Clive Owens in it, there's a journey, and there's a baby. That's all I had going for me, and I remembered Michael Caine's bozo hair. That's pretty much all I remembered. <laughs> so a lot of this stuff was a whole new experience with a completely different lens this time. And the atmosphere... 
I don't know why I get caught up in this, but I start looking around at the cars and everything. I'm like, okay, is this realistic? Was this, was this what cars would look like? Shit like that. And I actually got annoyed when the bomb blows up early in the movie at the coffee shop. I looked at some cars that were driving by. I'm like, that's bullshit. That car looks like it was there in 2006. It bothered me, but it's not going to ruin the movie for me. But That's one of the most interesting things about it, because in a world where there is no future and all you're doing is waiting around to die, you're not going to have a lot of advance. I mean, who would care about advancements in cosmetic exactly. things like cars and television exactly. and, and culture? Right. Ooh. No, that, that's that, that, that's it exactly. The, the, the main problem is not the infertility. It's the hopelessness that's caused by the infertility. No one gives a shit about anything anymore. And, and like you go out in the world right now, you're going to see cars from 20 years ago on the road. And if you went to Cuba right now, say, where things are like – where people don't work and things look a lot more like they look in you – know, like, like you're going to find cars from the 1950s still on the road. Like the, the, yep. the, the poorer the conditions – uh, the the more you're going to see things and, and and Britain for as much as it touts how great it's doing, uh, obviously the rest of the world is doing very very poorly because Britain's not doing good. Yeah, all right, that's a good point. I didn't think about it like that. So in that respect, you're right. They absolutely nail it. Uh, the experience, the political intrigue here. Did that guys does that get you guys going at all? Because this very much is like a politically driven film. To uh, not not just social. It's clearly social concepts. Massive immigration and discrimination and racism and all these things are going on at the same time there's these parties they all want a piece of the action they think they know what's best i, I couldn't help but not think about which of these people actually does know best and why are we so obsessed with that instead of coming together this is about disunity i see that as a big theme in this movie sure well, you're talking about people that are in, entailed in a revolution that's only going to take them through the next what 40 50 years of their lifetimes so when's the last time you saw that in a movie about a, a, you know an apocalypse in politically speaking or in any social dynamic they're only living out the rest of their lives so these upheavals are only based on what they think is right in the moment that's why you have people that are bureaucrats turn into these essential terrorists because they are fighting for what they think they should have should happen right now and it's only going to last them a certain amount of time hmm. well, that's that's a great point too i, I guess the stakes here are huge, so there's a lot of pressure coming from every angle. And I find out at the farmhouse where, you know, Theo's in this moment where he can bail out. When he's there after the, the kill the cops and uh, she dies, Julia Moore's character, I can't remember her name, she's dead. So now he's like, well, all right, I'll just go back Julian. to London. That, thank you. Let, that'll be it. I'll go back to London, just get my ass back there. I've, you know, I tried to do my best. But he buys in. He doesn't have to. And that's the only time where I question whether he would really do that or not, because the stakes still aren't enough. But I guess I can't put myself in the situation where we're in a world where seeing someone pregnant would be so mind blowing. Like well, I'm so, trying to trying to imagine that. So that like, but like, how mind blowing is it really? So it kind of is, obviously. But like, I, I, when we when we talk about to get back to to kind of connect this together. The, the different pushing and pulling between different groups that that yeah. want key that want this baby they want they want her this baby as a symbol right the fishes mm -hmm. want the symbol they want like hey follow us let's start the uprising we are the future um the government is using baby diego and then shifting to whoever is just like you know distraction whatever um theo alone and julian or jillian i'm not sure julian julianne moore's character 
they alone want to do the right thing, which is simply make sure that baby is taken care of and safe and the key is safe. And that's the only thing. They're not interested in any other thing. Just they're interested in the, in the life and the safety of that baby and the mother. Um, and that is, you know, that's what, that's why, like, and we know that like the, the two sides wrestling over the symbol wouldn't give a fuck ultimately because when the baby is actually seen in the, in the couple like, being like, carried out of the, of the building and like everything grinds to a halt and everyone's amazed, it doesn't bring world peace. It doesn't stop the problems. Everything here, it stops everything for a, a total of like a minute. And then everything care and people are still getting shot even as they're looking at the baby in awe. So like and then and then it just picks right back up again and the world is unchanged. So like they're the only ones that really are were ever going to do the right thing is just by simply doing the right thing, not by following any kind of ideology or trying to like, you know, have some specific agenda, just fucking do the right thing for whatever situation. Yeah, we're talking about what uh what has it been like 20 years of this situation happening? That's one of my. That's why one of my favorite scenes is with with Jawatel uh, Jafar when he notices Theo trying to get the baby, and in his mind, this baby it's it's not even about this, uh, you know, hope for humanity. It's just this goal. So just by hearing that it's not a, a boy, it's a girl, resets his mind, and he thinks of it as just this completely separate thing. And yet he still knows he's fucked. So he just continues the war. It's like. And, and he shoots Theo. I actually never realized that until yeah. watching it last yeah. night. I, I always, you know, there's a whole hail of bullets. Yeah. I always figured it makes sense mm -hmm. that Theo caught one. And one of them at least would catch one somewhere. But I never realized it's actually Luke that shoots him in yeah. that moment. Like, tragic. Yeah, that's true. You're absolutely right about that. Well, we're talking about Children of Men here on the Cinema 9 podcast. Does it hold up? We're ticking. We're ticking. We got a long way to go before we get there yeah, still. Yeah, we do. Um, we really do. Can we go back to the... Uh, the overall layout of this movie, it does deserve a ton of credit for the way it's designed, the way it looks, the beautiful, the awful, beautiful, beautiful disaster that you see around you in London, in England is really well done. And I, I have a lot of respect for the set designers and everybody on this film because it doesn't have to look futuristic, but it is in the future. And that doesn't end up being a problem, despite my complaining about the cars and stuff you just you completely changed my mind once you made your point travis so i want to give this film full marks for really creating an environment that i could actually feel would exist it's so true and the quran uh, has the wherewithal to not just shoot the narrative the camera is is got a life of its own so it actually will drift away from the characters and just show you these internment camps or show you what's going on next door and just, you know, leave its main characters. You don't see that a lot, the cinema verite style, especially in a post-apocalyptic movie. These extended shots in this movie. Oh, Jesus. Like, they heighten <laughs> tension to such a degree. I mean, like, that's what, like, that's partly why 1917 is the only, you know, it's the only other movie I can think of where, that, where like, this kind of stuff is happening. Because it happens throughout this movie where there's just, like, these long, uninterrupted cuts. And, like, if you're watching a movie that's just, like, people talking. Um, doing that like I start to feel tension rise in me as I wait for some sort of visual break like it just it just creates tension just in that like the yeah. movie Rope for instance but like mm -hmm. um, like what's happening here you have these extremely choreographed like 
battles taking place. Like where if one person doesn't catch a ping pong ball in their mouth at the right moment, hang on, we got to back up and do this shit all over again. You know, like <laughs> there's some there's some serious orchestration going on here, but it creates this sense of uh, constancy and realism that just really embeds you. Like because it's not just the production design, like you're talking about, Mike, which is fantastic. It's like the film work, the uh, the direction itself, like just creates this 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 mood, this vibe that like you are fucking living this. Yeah. Yeah, and the story is is nothing but hopelessness and unease in war. The camera doesn't even give you one second of peace yourself, so you cannot escape it. Even in the farmhouse scenes where things kind of quiet down, there's a little movement in the camera. You cannot take one minute to breathe. Or when the, or when the camera gets spattered with blood, and we're like we're just doing that now. It, it, yeah. it draws all, yeah. it, our attention as a viewer to like as we're watching the movie, but somehow it makes it more real like it's suddenly like like you're like this documentary feel yeah. somehow yeah. Yeah, it's bizarre. yeah did anybody uh ever read the novel which is called the children of men not children of men just for the record no i never read it no oh, yeah. you guys are no, missing out let me tell you about it no i'm just kidding i never read it either but this is yeah there's a lot of religious overtones i feel like in this too like yep yep yeah, Jesus absolutely. Christ, the baby. I don't know. There's something going on here. I can't quite. Oh, dude. When when she shows her pregnant belly and she's standing around all the cows being mechanically milked and like the sun, the light is like <laughs> stri- streaming on her. Like, I'm, I'm yeah. subtle. Subtle, Quran. <laughs> Very subtle. Very subtle. Yeah, they're, they're, they're heightened. And I think P.D. James literally wrote it as a Christian parable. But what's interesting to me is that Quran did not read the book so for a filmmaker to <laughs> adapt a book and not even bother reading the novel he read the synopsis and then just went and told his screenwriter to to come up with something and yeah. he tossed a lot of the stuff out of the novel out for the better i don't know oh man that, that's why he, he cut like, the, 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 like the concept <laughs> yeah. i like guess wow yeah he barely yeah that's totally true that's exactly what happened and i don't know if uh, the guy who wrote the novel is pissed about that or not but well, right. it's a woman. So angry it's a woman. She's it's a female. I said it's a female, P.D. James, and she's since passed. But oh, I think PD. she was pretty happy with the film. No, we yeah, made assumptions. Yeah. I'm fired. Yeah, you You're fired. Yeah, oh, look, P.D. James, you gave us this gift, which allowed Alfonso Cuaron to turn in an incredibly well-done film with great acting. Uh, in fact, the acting... Actually, the acting... Uh, I think about it. It's, it's not, like, mind-blowing to me. I mean, it's... It's more about the atmosphere and the stakes and the tense that is the, t- the intense nature of this film that is created without the acting. I think the acting is kind of just there in this movie. It's not like I was like, wow, what a riveting performance. I could never imagine this movie without so-and-so. Well, Clive Owen is mostly reacting because like it's like he, he remember like when he has the moment where you can like like, oh, my ex-wife who just showed up to kidnap me. Um, my, my ex-wife is dead. And, you know, I have like this, I have 30 seconds to cry and try and get the blood off my hands. But for the most of, you know, and I, and when, and like when he watches and when he watches his best friend get killed, you know, he has to be like, everything's fine. We got to go. Like he doesn't, like the, the, it's merciless. He doesn't have the time to mourn or like have like, so like the, the, you know, like um, as far as the acting goes, like it's all very in the moment. So you don't, you, you don't get, 
a lot of like these moments where, oh, you know, there's those soliloquies, you know, <laughs> it's it's more just like uh, just kind of like watching him panic and run around like like fucking McLean barefoot or in sandals through most of the thing. McLean, it's like being in war. That, that's what's going on here. Like, because you were just like reacting to survive. That's exactly what it is. You know, and that that battle scene of of him like going into the building trying to get, you know, like the bullets are hailing all around. And then like, the opening of Revenant, like clearly again, uh, this guy, Lubezki, Luzebki, shit. I already forgot. Emmanuel, the cinematographer anyway, I've already forgotten. This guy Lubezki. clearly is Lubezki. This guy clearly is particularly good at doing like warfare because the opening of Revenant and that sequence right there are some of the best like battle sequences I've seen on film. Uh, period. Yeah, absolutely. Did you guys know that Michael Caine based his performance on John Lennon? I was thinking that well, the first time I saw the movie, uh, I, I found it very interesting. Well, yeah, I, I dig Michael Caine in the film. One one scene that I remember not really caring for in the theater, but, but I appreciate a hell of a lot more uh, nowadays is the uh, Danny Houston scene when he goes to see uh, Nigel. Oh, dude. Uh, I just, you know, I, I, I think there's so much there. And it, you, when you put two and two together, this guy's collecting these beautiful works of art. For what? Uh, and and the only response he, he can says. say is is that he he doesn't think about what's going on around him. Come on, he's yeah, got he he's got pill. yeah he's got he's got Guernica and D- yeah. the David just yeah, hanging yeah. out in his in his yeah. house where nobody can see him but him and his son. Basically, no one sees this shit. And 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 outside, very subtly, the fucking you know cover of that Pink Floyd yeah. album is taking place. Yeah. But like that's a protest pig. Like there's 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 you know extreme you know unrest going on outside his doors and like he's just living the most fabulous and elite rich life that a person could possibly lead and raising a child in that environment who was fucking miserable yeah and he's a government official too so do did, did you guys need any more of like a um any input from his his type of class in this situation or, that, or was that response that enough yeah, I think that said everything. <laughs> I just want to know what's going on with this kid. What's up? What, what, what was the deal there? He's disaffected. Some... Yeah, the he's... power glove man. He's playing rad racer. I know. <laughs> he, he's he's disaffected. He's he's. I mean, he like he doesn't know what's going on out in the world. I mean, like anyone else, like his problems are. Dad doesn't pay attention to me, and like he's got his own. Like he's got real problems, but like you know, they're not like the same problems that everybody else has to deal with. I got <laughs> problems, man. Yeah, he. I just didn't really. That to me, that scene, frankly, it's cool that we get that look of what's going on. Art is fading. You know, they, they mention in the afterthoughts. So yes, too bad what happened in Spain. You know, more art was lost. Things are going away. They're losing things forever. Things that a lot of people cherish. But otherwise, it's just a link to get these papers going so this story can continue. I don't really, I don't take too much from that part of the movie. I don't. Well, so I mean, like I, that to me is. I mean, again, like I think it's important because you, you're. It helps flesh out. The, the the world that's taking place like it and it, and not in a way that's like the, the opening of the movie where you're getting like news literal news i fucking hate when exposition the movies is being delivered Aww. to us through the news on, it's classic, like, through man. News. i know it's classic and it's a, and it's a convenient <laughs> way to do things but like it's always like uh, okay so I, I think it's a good way of like letting us know what's happening in the movie or in the world in that movie without like um and there's other things happening throughout the movie that like, they give us all these context clues too like when when they roll into beck's hill 
Beck's hell and uh, they're like getting in there and you see like the reality of the immigrant situation like yeah this isn't so much camps like some of these people are getting bags put over their heads and assassinated right there before they even get in like yeah uh, that's true except for robocop by the way robocop did great job with exhibition of news i want to make that clear that's an exception i mean i'm not saying it's always terrible i'm just saying that like generally it's kind of him fit well just just if i may go back to that scene with nigel i mean it's saying a ton more because the 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 arc of Theo kind of gets a little bit lost in this insanely gorgeous war proceedings. But we're talking about a man who goes from hopelessness, complete despair, to eventually having a glimmer of hope. And part of his journey is literally hearing from someone who's supposed to have a major, major part in the, the, you know, the political uh, arena saying, it doesn't matter. I turned a blind eye. So it makes Theo... Look at him and say, "Well, well, I care. I give a shit." Yeah. And it's it's starting to make him, you know, have more of a role in, in this uh, possible positive outcome. That's a really good point because I mean, the movie starts again with him just being so indifferent. But he's we yeah. learn as the movie goes along that at one point he was a protester. He was active. He was involved in this shit. But he but he got he started to work for the government, like you know, trying to make change from within, I guess, and like became all just like jaded and unconcerned with things. And like and like a lot of people, since the things aren't affecting him personally, he's able to just stroll about in the world and get his coffee and like, you know, I'm I'm a cis hetero white dude that that's born here and I don't have any issues. I can just live my life and 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 be grumpy and an alcoholic. Uh but <laughs> but like Wah! But we see, you know, it, like you know, Julian and like uh, events, like kind of like pull him out of this. And you're right, like uh, what his what his friend, what Danny Houston's character does with him, like all this stuff helps, be, like well, galvanize him back into action. He put ketamine in the cop's coffee once upon a time. This guy was hardcore. He wouldn't fuck around. This guy was Theo was your classic idealist who becomes part of the machine. It's it's a typical part of a lot of stories, but it's because that's what happens. See, this young energy you have, you feel, and you have, you have this point of view that's not, you could call it jaded or changed or redefined, however you want to call it, but that is that is part of the experience in at least of this society. You grow up and you have all these ideas, and then by the time you're in your 30s, never swimming with sharks, you know? If, uh, what was that old line about? Something about if you're not blah, blah, liberal in your 20s, you got no heart. If you're not conservative by your 30s, you got no brains. In the end, yep, this yep. is this is a routine path. I don't love it. I'm not down with it, but it is pretty typical. And I don't I don't blame him because his well, we're life talking about a man who he lost affected. a kid through through chance, and, and, right. and exactly. everything around him is just happening by happenstance. So. That's what is a really undervalued in? part of the whole situation. He's in pain, so that's the other reason. It's not just because he's in a society where this is the path and this is just how things are. Yes, he is avoiding everything. He's avo- he's not putting himself into anything because he lost so much already. That's exactly what's yep. happening. And speaking yeah, yeah. of uh, all the prescient things in this film, a 2008 uh, flu epidemic that they lost their son in. Um, you know, which also I'm guessing the flu epidemic is what drove the sterility. I'm I'm thinking because it seems like since 2009 or so is when uh, it stops. So that would make sense. Yeah, like there's some sort of yeah. by some sort of after effect. I don't say it, but I, I like that they don't spell it out. But yeah. that's but that makes sense. Yeah, that does make sense. It, I don't. I don't even care how things happen. It's just obvious things happen, and this is the the world we're living in now. Yeah, and that's what's good about that's what a quality part of this film is. I don't need to have everything spoon fed to me. I think I like films where like uh 
we watched back with the Place Beyond the Pines, where you know everything that's going on, but he didn't lay it all up for you in chapter and verse. And I right. dig that. That's the kind of storytelling like this. I like, okay, I understand the stakes. I know what kind of world we're in. Mm-hmm. What are we going to do? How's it going to play out? There's this beautiful uh, subtlety in the film involving pets. And I didn't think about it when I first thought. But <laughs> no, you're right. Everybody has a subtle, pet but... because they need this attachment to something you young me? and innocent. Oh, man, I was going to bring this up. I have to say this. I was going to bring this up. I get so annoyed in movies where the director telegraphs, hey, this guy's a good guy. Even though he's not a good guy right now, the animals well, the, like him. The, the dog likes him. him. Right, yes. Right. The, he, when he comes up to the farm, the guy's no like, No one oh. likes the, the dogs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's so, they don't like yeah. anybody. And I, for, I just saw a movie like this like a week ago where it was, this gets done in film, so it's no, a, I, not a big I, deal. I agree. But. No, the, the whole making, like letting you know that the protagonist is actually a good guy because the pets like him <laughs> thing is kind of dumb. But Eric, your point that like everyone has dogs in this movie because they can't have kids. Like when she's, and when Key's actually giving birth, like there's like dogs barking in a crescendo, um, which by the way, like the only moment that, that I'm more afraid, like when the baby's in the building and everyone's like, there's bullets going everywhere. Like I'm very nervous and scared for this baby. But when Malinka is carrying her dog around her, the dog fight, I'm like, get that fucking dog somewhere safe. Malinka, what are you doing right now? <laughs> yeah, you would say that. I agree. That's that's true. Concerned for uh, dogs babies of the film. All right, so we're getting close to the end here, guys. Any final comments? Any few more things we got to cover before we wrap this puppy up? Is there anything that you really wanted to say about children and men that we didn't get to? I mean, we've talked political intrigue. We've talked social issues, children, the lifespan, humanity continuing on. Does it matter? Shouldn't we end humanity anyways? Call it a day. <laughs> <laughs> well, you talk about prescience. We haven't gotten into refugees, asylum seekers. Right. Food that's pretty on the news. I kept thinking of the Fugees every yeah. time they said that. Like, Ready or not, here I come. <laughs> to the point that Lauren they, Hill they, over and over again. To the point that they put him, Liz Fair, Lauren Hill, and Lilith Fair. Yeah, Lilith Fair. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, yeah, to the point that they, they actually ghettoize these people. They create an actual fucking ghetto and just, just throw them all in there and let them have assault rifles and just fucking let them tear each other to shreds. We don't give a shit. It's It's... It's Australia in 1700. Who cares? It's wild. Uh, and uh, true. and again, like there's so much happening in this movie. It's like this is only just a you know a slight tweak on what's really taking place. Um, and it's and it's really you know it's it's a it's a tough watch, but it's also like watch of the news. I don't think you can. It's always important to think about when a movie was made, what was going on in the world at the time. Yeah, and if you think about. The period of time, 2006, it's a post 9-11 world, five years after 9-11. Uh, you also have the so Bush and Cheney and all these things, the war in Iraq, all this stuff is going on. And people are being, immigration issues, again, people are being blamed unfairly for things, not just in America, but even in England and yeah, it's starting. Western societies, I guess. If I don't know a better word for it. So... I think this, I think this film was also trying to send a message about what was going on at the time as well. Oh, like Which all is still sci-fi. an issue, right? Well, like like all sci-fi, it's not really talking about the, uh, the future. It's talking about now, and right. and that's part of the reason why I think they made the uh, stylistic choice of having it look like fucking now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I actually thought of V for Vendetta a few times when I was oh, yeah. watching this, only because they're both based in London and they came out of your part. And yeah, there's, there's some similarities there. Yeah. They're, they're, they're both clearly influenced by 1984. 
Um, right. There's, some, there's, stuff, a, there's some stuff happening here. Yeah. It's like a dark world. A dark overlord is controlling everything. There's no fun. There's no freedom of speech, yada, yada. There's a lot of parallels there. But yeah. but this is uh, this is a much more serious movie. V for Vendetta was kind of comical at this times. It's more adult. I mean, this is it's yeah. not based on a graphic <laughs> novel, which I, I think graphic oh. novels are very adult. Don't get me wrong. Sure. But I mean, like, Watchmen's but, very graphic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, Road for Perdition. We talked about that. But, hey, um, yeah. You know, uh it's it's there's a different yeah this is a very this 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 could have been and should have been i don't know was it nominated for anything like this this should have been dude it, criminally uh Alfonso Cuaron wasn't nominated for a director and we're talking about one of the best achievements in direction oh, it was nominated for three oscars guys just for the record what was it cinematography editing and i think yeah. sound it's like best best writing adapted screenplay best achievement in cinematography emmanuel lubeski and good. best achievement in film editing who won over lubeski I'll have to look it up. I'm just getting the uh, nominees. Oh. I'll effort that. I think it was Pan's Labyrinth. Oh! Unbelievable. It's really yeah. good. You, why year. would someone do that? And right. and Pan's Labyrinth is fantastic and like, ooh, like very, like this movie is like right. dry in a lot of ways. Yeah. Like, the, like the, 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 uh, the, the brilliance of this movie, the, 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 the direction and the cinematography yeah. could be lost on someone, I think the first right. time or that they watched it pretty easily. Yeah. You're right, and, Eric. Eric was right. Yeah, and, and not to compare, but but Guillermo's film was so controlled, whereas this environment that they had to shoot was just in such disarray that you had to capture these moments. And, and that in and of itself is a huge achievement. Exactly. There's just like chaos going on, and there's just like panning around. I mean, like again, like just panning all around, especially again, like the fucking scene where the car comes rolling down the hill on fire, the people come rolling out, but like it, the scene had already been going for like a full minute and a half or something before that, just of people talking in a car. Yeah. Oh God. Yeah. This movie is <sighs> just, it's just masterfully, masterfully done. Um, You know, and if, if they weren't dealing with such heavy subject matter and like all these major themes and stuff, I'd still, like I wouldn't even care. Like, what what is this movie about? Like, someone's got a like some dude lost his car. I don't care. Like, what, <laughs> what, what, you know, what is the premise? I don't care. It's so expertly like executed that I would always want to return to it. Have, yeah. Dude, where's my it car? Is. Children of Men version. Yes. Settle in. If they ever uh, reboot, dude, where's my car? Set it in like 2027 with this yeah, degree. Of dude, I'm in. I'm totally in. Uh, by the way, the writing adapted screenplay winner that year was The Departed, which. Okay, great uh, screenplay by Bill Monahan. So beautiful. Okay, fine. I, n- I never saw Infernal Affairs, so I can't really compare. Oh, I've seen that. It's, uh, it's something. All right, let's cut the crap. It's time to wrap it up. It's time to find yeah. out. Does Children of Men hold up? Uh, Travis, you kind of telegraphed a bit, so why don't you go first? I feel like it's pretty clear. Yeah, no, I mean, I I, I, may, I wasn't trying to hide my hand this time. This is this movie's a masterpiece. It's a, it's one of the best movies of the 2010s. I mean, I would put it maybe in, I mean, I, the I haven't 2000s? sat down to make it. Yes, the 2000s, sorry. Yeah. Um, I haven't sat down to, like, to make a list or anything, but I imagine it would be in the top five for me easily of the of the decade. I mean, it's it's a, it's a masterpiece, and it absolutely holds up, no questions. Uh, oh, uh, Eric, you want to go or should I go? Well, I mean, what else can you say? We've got, uh, we got a movie and, and like, it's a cautionary tale. Yes, but it works in the best way that science fiction always does. We talk about this all the time, social allegory for where we are, where we could be headed. You're dabbling in populism, authoritarianism, righteous abdication. And it's presented in this way that is just completely breathtaking. It's so easy to be. Uh, apathetic in in cinema, especially during the Iraq War in the early 2000s. So to 
bring a movie with such hope and such a like a fantastic, beautiful message was jaw dropping. Still to this day, holds up completely. Don't forget, uh, Passion of the Christ came out in the two thousands. Travis, I just want to make sure film. You include that in your top five. Incredible oh, movie. I know, I know. I remember the day that I saw that. No, I know. I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, you know, what can you say? Yeah, you guys said it all. I don't. I'm not going to say this movie doesn't hold up. It definitely holds up. It one thousand percent holds up. Uh, but I was kind of not feeling it in my watch. But it definitely you, holds you, up. You did not fast forward. I will reach through my screen right now. I did. Oh, you about- yes. There's a couple parts where, where? The long when, shot- did, when did the long shots, the best parts of the uh, movie? Oh, uh, no, there's a part when they're at the uh, Michael Caine's house and they're drinking coffee and, you know, uh, Key's blabbing on about like something, how she's swanky or so suave or some shit. Uh, yeah, I, I, yeah. Did, Michael, did you miss the part in that very scene where they talked about Quietus, which was the self suicide machine? Oh, shit, I might have missed that time. Yeah, I did that sometimes when you fast forward. I saw it. So. Sometimes when you fast forward stuff, you you, you miss it, Mike. <laughs> I seen I, the movie before, though. But it's not like you are a host on a movie podcast where no, you'd be no, expected no. to like no. know things about the film you're no. just sitting down to discuss. <laughs> hey, the good news is, guys, I have such good friends and amazing co-hosts like you two. If I miss anything, you guys are gonna fill the gaps. So don't lean on the, me, bro. That's my fu- that's my foundation. Yeah, you're right. Do your own homework, so. Ah, children of man, it holds up. It's always going to hold up, at least on this show. I don't know. Maybe there's other shows that are a masterpiece. Different views about society. They might think this doesn't hold up, but not here. We're down. Two thumbs We're up. Down. Well done, guys. Children of man, go check it out. If you never saw it, it would be odd that you're listening to the pod at this point. The future show, is a so. biracial woman. Is is the message of that movie, which is probably the case. Very much. That's fantastic. Much so. Yeah, I awesome. am all totally down with that. Let's do this. I'm key. ready. Is her name a little too on the nose? She's well, the at the, I'm, I'm at the baby. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, you're right, Key. Yeah, that, is, good one. that is not very subtle. There it is. Thank you so much for listening to the Cinema Nine podcast. It's another episode that is about to be in the can. We have got to announce our oh boy. one in. year anniversary episode. Now, this is... We made this decision about six weeks ago or so. We just said, you know, it's just a clear choice. It's the one-year anniversary. We've done one year of Cinema 9 Pod. It's literally the day we started, April 8th, 2020. Next week, April 8th is a Thursday, which is when we do our show. So April 8th, 2021. For those of you that listen to the podcast, you should not be surprised. Travis Roy, what are we doing next week? Well, we're doing a movie we talked about the most on this show. We're doing Bullworth. No, I'm just kidding. We're doing (laughs) First Reformed. five-year rule um but i'm excited uh, I've, not, I've not watched it since I, the, I first watched it i've only seen it the one time despite my uh my much acclaimed love for it so i'm, I'm looking forward to i kind of like figured like you know over the course of the past year i'm like i probably shouldn't watch it anytime soon because i feel like it might end up on the pod once it's, oh, once it's five years once there it's five it years down and mike is holding a copy in his hand right now there it is this is my blu-ray copy that was a lovely holiday gift from travis roy so Look at that. Look how intense that face is. I sent you the physical copy, oh, really? which I know you didn't need, but it's a yeah, this is, of the show. You know, this is the only Blu-ray I have. Everything else is just regular <laughs> DVDs. This is truly the only Blu-ray I have. But oh, look do you have a tense. Blu-ray player? I don't think I asked before I sent it. Oh, yeah. I got a PlayStation 4. I think it plays All Blu-rays. Right. So. Right. But, you know, this is Ethan Hawke. Better than ever, it says. Career-defining performance. Yeah, look at that. Amanda yeah, Seyfried? Seyfried, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'm looking forward to, to checking it out again. We're I fucked was, if we all hate it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, 
Oh, like, Deary's sad. Drunk that day no Deary's bummed out. Yet. No Roadhouse. Oh, oh sorry. We already know yeah. that holds up, Chris. If this was a feast podcast, we definitely would have done Roadhouse. But it's not a feast podcast. It's a movie podcast, and you never know what kind of jokes <laughs> become part of the routine. And Paul Schrader has been a running gag on the show for a long time, so. First reform just makes sense. Will I fast forward through this one? That's a great question. It's <laughs> a great question. It's, it's an ob- it's an unneeded question. We know he's going to fast forward through twenty percent of it. <laughs> I got to tell you this: I haven't you're seen v- it. You're a very busy, man. We know. We know. I, yes, well, we're all busy. Yes, but I have not seen it since I saw it in the theater. So I've only seen this movie once. That's, that's what I was just saying. So, once. so we <laughs> better like it. Yeah, yeah, you've only seen it once too, Eric. I've only seen it once. So all if we're right. all like, oh, it must have caught me on a really great day where like I won the lottery, was like yeah. drinking martinis all night and super favorable for some so reason. So there really will be a question of whether or not yep. it holds yep. up. Yep. Yeah. Tune in, I it might it. not. I saw it on the outskirts of Annapolis over at the uh, Arundel Mills, uh, Arundel Mall. Yeah, it was I great. It was a beautiful night. of my home. Oh, well, uh, I wish you guys I were there. I remember when I got out of the theater, I instantly like contacted Eric. I was like, dude, you you see this. Right, we can skip this this section when we get to the this part where we talk about our first time watching the movie next uh, week because okay. we yep. just did it now. Oh, I'm getting yep. so excited. Oh, yeah. All right, I'm going to yeah. call him let's down. Just we'll go straight to let's, talking let's, about it being overindulgent trash from let's a mega maniacal. Let's regroup and, and, and in, a, in a couple hours and do the show now. Yeah, <laughs> why not? It's only 8.40. Cool. I'll tell you this. You know, one year next week, it's pretty cool. Me, Travis, and Eric are very grateful for the fact that anybody, that every week somebody shows up to watch and listen to us. It's pretty cool. And we don't take that for granted. We're very, we're very grateful the fact that we can do this together, talking about movies, good times, good friends. What else could we ask for? Nothing. It's been a wild ride. I had so much fun. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> Buy a DVD for your friend. Three months later, he still hasn't watched it. Because what Travis said, I knew that this might come up. I didn't want to spoil it. So. It was it was a token. It was I never even expected him to watch it at all. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're right. I really had no idea that we'd end up doing this, but I thought maybe someday. But anyways, it's not something I'll talk about it next week. I got more comments. We I'll got plenty to say about First Reformed on the Cinema 9 podcast. That's right. Save it for the podcast next week. Thanks, Chris. Thank you to Steve Luskowski. Thank you to Ghost Hand 246. Uh, very Ghost engaged in the show. Clearly a big Children of Men fan, so we appreciate you tuning in. If you like other movies, we got 50 other episodes at your disposal. Dick Tracy, True Romance. Margo at the Wedding. Uh, Margo with Dick Tracy and Margo at the Wedding, huh, guys? I started at the beginning. I started. I was just starting from the top, but... He said Mario the Wedding. That was Magnolia was number two. Why where is that one? Uh, anyway. True romance was number one. You're right. True romance, Magnolia, Dick Tracy. Anyways, thanks everybody. We're out of here. We'll catch you next week for our one year anniversary show. Make sure you wear your tuxedos. <laughs> Hell of a day. <laughs> <laughs>